we're so excited to chat with you again. I know it's been, it seems like it's been like 10 years ago. Seriously. I think it was like last year. Yeah, Yeah. probably. (laughs) It just feels like forever because the pandemic years last twice as long as other years. Got At it. a minimum, except for this last September, which felt like it was like two days long. I don't know what was with September, but it felt so fast. I know. Um, but we're so excited to talk about your new book, which I'm... we loved. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That book was so not a Virgo book mm. <laughs> in many ways, but um, it was me. So yeah. I loved writing it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And so you wrote, obviously you wrote this during the pandemic. Do you think that starting it during such a weird time, like maybe changed your normal writing style? Or well, procedure? you know, I, I think, you know, I, since I, I write that's, I mean, that's basically what I do. My normal day is I take a lot of breaks and I'll like go walk around the block or meet a friend for coffee and, and in pandemic times, you just, you know, you're so isolated. Mm-hmm. And maybe it turned my mind to this topic when before maybe I wouldn't have thought about this. But yeah, my God, we all had a ton of time to think about stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. And not as many opportunities to chat with people like in real life about things we're thinking about. So no. writing really. it all down makes sense. <laughs> really true. I, I think just being a little more isolated, it really did give me time to, to think about things that I thought I believed, but I really Mm -hmm. wanted to think about it some more. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the things that I really appreciate about you as a Virgo, who is sort of in this sphere is that one of the ways that you start off with the book is like, put away skepticism for this process. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to go into this process being like, okay, I might have skepticism, but I mm-hmm. want to get the most out of this. And so therefore I have to like allow myself to believe. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I find that so helpful, especially with ancestor stuff. The last time we, we spoke, we talked about how ancestor stuff doesn't, hasn't traditionally come that easily for me and Esther. Although mm-hmm. since reading your first book, I think both of us have gotten into it a little bit more, yeah. but this is like kind of such an, uh, a logical next step because it's really mm-hmm. focused on creating your own, like stable of spirit guides, like yes. with tasks to do to accomplish that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, that's what, thank you for saying that, by the way, I, because, you know, the second half of the book is January through December meeting different guides. Mm-hmm. I really wanted people to be open, just be open to whoever comes in and you're either going to feel it's a good fit or you're not. Yeah. So you have 12 opportunities. Right. Yeah. Meet different magical people. And some, you know, some may do a form of magic you don't care about, but some yeah. may. Be, I, I did a thing the other day with someone, and what came up was uh, wind and, and water magic. And it was really interesting because they were in the path of Hurricane Ian. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I said, and, and, and they, they ended up being okay. Cause I said, you know what, just um, tap into that ancestor and imagine pushing that storm away from you. Yeah. You know, tap into that ancestral magic that you totally. Have. Yeah. And yeah. like, even just for advice about how you should be handling all of it, because that's been so chaotic. And with the uh, actual path of the hurricane shifting at the last minute, it's like, how are you supposed to react to stuff? But I think that the benefit of having this sort of framework of spending a month with, with each ancestor or with each, you know, spirit guide allows you to have the practice of opening yourself up for it rather than feeling like you found one and that's the one you're working with. It's sort of prompting you to continue being open to additional spirit guidance coming through to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all are, are just naturally drawn to something like, you know, I'm very drawn to both the sky omens and land spirits, Yes, Mm -hmm. but doing the book, it really, you know, I really had to think about, okay, well, you know what? I run across neighborhood cats when I'm out for a walk and I swear Mm -hmm. they, they talk. Yeah. I loved all of those components about the walks and like Mm -hmm. seeing 
omens and guides throughout your neighborhood. I thought that that was so beautiful. And also kind of a testament to the way that we were interacting with the world around us during the pandemic, especially when we were like not able to see anyone and you were just going on walks outside of your home to like get Mm -hmm. out of your house. I know. And, and, you know, you saying that reminded me of the walks during the pandemic and how if somebody was walking towards you, they'd Mm -hmm. cross the street. Right. I mean, we were, I think, I don't think we fully recovered yet. No, no. And uh, I think we still are dealing with some weirdness of isolation and which tells me that we humans are not meant to be alone. Right. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of healing involved, not just like physical healing from like my husband had COVID this last week. Like he had Uh, never had it before. It finally got to our household mm -hmm. after two and a half years, which was kind of an emotional thing for me. And thankfully I didn't get sick, uh, like no symptoms and I never tested positive, but it's like both the physical healing from so many people being sick and having like health results for that. But then also just the feelings of like not knowing how to interact with people and Mm -hmm. like maybe... I feel like for me personally, I felt less like I can guess how people are going to react to stuff that I'm doing or saying. <laughs> like yes. everything feels more confusing in general. <laughs> it, it, it is. And you know, it's almost like, it's almost like we all had two years of an out of body experience. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we haven't settled back into our own skin yet. That is a really good mm-hmm. metaphor. That's exactly really how is. I feel. Yeah. yeah. So then the result for me is just buying too many new clothes and being like, maybe this linen dress will be the thing that makes me feel like I'm in my body again. (laughs) I know. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It's not the healthiest coping mechanism, but it's better than some, I suppose. Well, but you know, I think, and this kind of, this is something that I've been thinking about for another book is that we, things around us impact you know, are we going to make better food choices? Do we need to go buy stuff because we're so disconnected from our yeah. body? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many, there's so many layers to what the pandemic has done to us. Yeah. yeah. But I guess the benefit is that it's given us time to and space to think about things that we maybe didn't spend a lot of time or space thinking about before. Mm-hmm. And I think that like creating a structured framework for working with ancestors in the way that you have is kind of a result of that. And yeah. also allows people who feel sort of like disconnected to have more clear instructions. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, and I try, I really do, even though the book is Ancestral Grimoire, I really hope that people understand it doesn't have to be an ancestor. It can be a a spirit guide, a beloved Mm -hmm. dead that may not be in in your line at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beauties of your, of the book that we spoke with you about before is that that really focuses on the idea of ancestors being like, a stand-in for any beloved dead. So either interpersonally or sort of cosmically. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me and Esther framework that for ourselves rather than thinking about it as being literal ancestors. Yeah. And we had such a good conversation about that, but I feel like this is like a good extension to that where you understand the framework that you as the author are using for ancestors Mm -hmm. and then it's easier to kind of take those next steps when there's a little bit more of a structure involved and you do so basically each month there's a goal of a specific type of ancestor that you're helping the reader uh attract and interact with and like learn from right Uh, and you talk about how some people might want to do that with the sabbats and like Mm -hmm. go sort of more like quarterly or whatever but i and this is obviously in agreement with you because this is how you wrote the book but i think that <laughs> monthly is so smart because it's like yes. such a brief focused period of time mm-hmm. yeah and, and you know as i as i think i hope i made clear in the book you know you might hit one chapter and it's like yeah I, i'm not interested in that uh-huh. <laughs> and you and so you skip it and that's okay and it doesn't matter how long it takes you know, I, I, in Ancestral Tarot, uh, one of the people who follows me on Instagram told me that he kept notebooks. He did every single exercise and it took him a solid year. Yeah. Well, 
this book is kind of the same. So designed for that. You know, if you really want to manifest not just financial, but you know, yeah. goodness in your life, then you know, hone into February because that's mm-hmm. the manifestation magic month. Yeah. And that's what that's what I really hoped people would do is like don't feel compelled to do every month if if it's something that's you know you really have no interest in. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But I also think that maybe if you are somebody who's a completionist, like I can sometimes be, it's yeah. sort of helpful to be for, cause you just never know what's going to come through, you know? So mm-hmm. almost like having a strong direction helps you with breaking out of your own limitations in some ways. I agree. And, and I hope that it introduces people to things they never thought about. Yeah. You know, like, like weather like weather magic mm-hmm. or omens, because I mean, our ancestors were totally dialed into omens. Yeah. You know, like what, what was ha- You know, what were the clouds doing and what were the animals, you know, why were the birds flying that direction? I mean, they really were tapped into the natural world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even seeing a redhead like me, sometimes that <laughs> can be an omen. Like if you see a redhead, that means something. Yeah, exactly. I think that it just means you're in for a really good time, but that's not necessarily what our ancestors thought about seeing redheads. (laughs) No, no. And, you know, beliefs have changed over time. And, you know, back, you know, the Romans, unfortunately, you know, took the scalpel to birds to get omens from from their innards. But, you know, we don't have to do that. (laughs) Yes. We can use birds in other ways. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, they also actually looked at the direction they were flying. They looked at how they ate. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, did they just take a peck and fly or did they gobble everything? Oh. It was really quite interesting. And culturally, uh, and, you know, I am not an anthropologist, but just doing research for the book, culturally across the world omens were always a thing yeah and in some cultures still are yeah totally and it's like some omens that we don't even really think about as being omens totally are and if you're open to like accepting sort of the magic of that then you can find more interesting ways to like bring magic into your life like, I think that a really common one right now, just pop culturally, is like angel numbers as omens. I, I see that a lot. And, you know, I do pay attention. I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me but neither. I do, I do <laughs> that pay, is not part of my mission. <laughs> no, I neither. But I do pay attention to when I see 111 or 1111. For yeah. some reason, those, it, it, my partner and I, because right now we're living a continent apart, Mm-hmm. we will text each other it's oh. it's 111 make a wish that's oh, sweet that's sweet that is so i sweet. have done that long distance thing before and it is not great well you know what um it's it's changing in early november oh nice oh, it's always, yeah. that's, that's the only that's always my advice for people who are dealing with it it's like make sure that you have an end point in sight <laughs> Well, you know, I, I know people who've sustained long distance. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. thank God, thank God for Zoom. And- yeah, yeah, seriously. But well, no. even like last week when Nathan and I were isolating from each other because he had COVID, I was like, "How did we do like three years of long distance?" <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Apparently, I just like ta- tell him every single thought that pops into my head all day long. <laughs> It, it is hard because you want to share your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, even on Zoom, so you're Zooming for an hour or two hours, you know, you, you can't possibly kind of just, it's not like popping into the next room and right. saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, do you want to take a walk or? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'm about to start making dinner. Do you want to come hang out with me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just so, a really different scene. Yeah, it is. So anyway, that the, in a month that will be changed. So that, that'll be nice. Yeah. That'll also probably feel like a little bit of normalization, like pandemic. Isn't that true? It mm-hmm. is so true. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other things that, well, not just the other things. I keep saying that. I start like every single sentence, like it's the last thing that I want to say. <laughs> and I have so much that I want to say about this awesome book. But I do feel like it was, it's so approachable for people who have not ever worked with ancestors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, it's even like down to the tool section, like all the different methods you could be using for contacting. Um, I've never seen the method of uh, sigil craft that you included with the well, grid. And I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And and if you were here where I live right now, you'd see little, little wooden discs of sigils <laughs> tucked here and there oh. uh, in my apartment. Uh, and, you know, because sometimes, you know, people have a sigil that is with them for life. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to make one for, if I'm doing ancestral work, I have one that's specific to my, my mother, who's no oh. longer on the planet. Mm-hmm. I have one for safe travel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that they're wonderful to use just because they give you a focus point and, and they are magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always done like sort of the letter morphing one and I, yeah. I have some success with it, but I think that the grid rather than either the letter morphing one or the cer- more circular one where you're like mm-hmm. kind of darting across a circle of numbers, the grid just sort of scratches an itch in my brain for like order and like, neatness, I guess yeah. I'm just it, very it, into it. <laughs> it is very, it is very orderly, which is what, you know what I tried I've done the letter one. I find mm-hmm. it for me personally, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the circle thing is like the worst for me. I, <laughs> I can't get my head wrapped around that. I know it gets so chaotic so quickly. So when I saw the yes. grid, I was like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but then also just in terms of like different tools to use, obviously sigil making is a part of your practice. But the yeah. other thing that you do that I really love is create sort of additional cards. If you're using cardomancy for these communications, yeah. additional cards, like about, uh, centuries about past lives and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that as you're going through card reading, you're not having to do as much like guesstimation about what different tarot card timing mean. mean no, because I think timing with tarot, I mean, there are systems that are very, very specific, but you know, I, I don't want to delve into it that much. I just want a bunch of little cards that tell me yeah. second, second century, third century, fourth century. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and what continent, I mean, you know, and I use the, I use the pendulum a lot in this mm-hmm. kind of work because I use it to, to narrow down where, where that spirit might've lived. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, honestly, I pull up a world map on my iPad and I just use the pendulum and that's, hold it over all the time. I love that. <laughs> see, what, see what's that? I love that a lot. Yeah, that's a great idea. I was thinking our friend Claire Goodchild from Black in the Moon has a timing expansion for her Memento Mori deck. And that could also be used pretty well for that function. Mm-hmm. Of, Don't like, you love time frame. I, lo- I love her stuff. Me yes. too. We just spoke with her earlier today. Her episode is going to come out two weeks after yours does. Um, but she lives on the East coast. So we made her do a 6am time with, with me on the <laughs> West coast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she, she, I was telling her, so our listeners will hear this first, but we also talk about it in the episode with Claire. I read both of these books, obviously around the same time, because we're mm-hmm. talking to both of you today yeah. and they, they match each other's energy super well because her book yes. is about seances mm-hmm. and she talks about historical seances and her own experiences with spirit communication. And then also similar to your sort of building the grimoire, the idea of like a worksheet sort of situation or a workbook of seances so you can track which methodology of communicating with spirits works best for you right and reading them both simultaneously opened something up within me that was like oh this is like what i need to be spending the next year or so yeah on. that you know holly that is so interesting because i have her deck i don't have the timing i don't have that expansion uh but i would love to have a conversation with her as well, because she, because my grandparents did seances. Oh, oh. were they and actual spiritualists? Like in that time period, they were uh, early 1900s. Cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And I don't. They did not belong to a spiritualist church. I know, mm-hmm. but I know that they did seances, yeah, and it was like this weird little family secret. Oh. That I didn't really find out about till maybe I was in my thirties and one of my aunts told me something, 
and because it, obviously it was far before I was born, but yeah. it was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I, really? They really did that? That's, That's so one cool. of my favorite things about ants. And I have a great yes. aunt like this too, where she like... She, any family secret with air quotes, because I don't believe that it's worth keeping any secrets. Like we don't have to protect our ancestors from, yeah. no. from us knowing the truth, but mm-hmm. I have a great aunt who's constantly just like spilling the dirt of long dead people. <laughs> and I'm so obsessed with it. I love it so much. I'm like, I want to know these, these individuals as people like seeing portraits of them and knowing what they did for their profession is not the same as like understanding what kind of person they were like. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Which is, I guess why you'd go into ancestry or ancestor work is so that you could get to know them as individuals rather than just sort of as like, you know, Oh, my great, great grandmother was an author and she was really acerbic and hilarious. And she was a mother to 12, but never really liked being around kids that much. Like, you know, you can get into so much more information if you're speaking with them. And and you can, because, you know, using tarot or, and, or oracles and the pendulum, all the different tools, you really can start building this profile. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like probably, detectives do yeah you know is you really are building a profile of the person so let's say i pull the knight of cups Mm -hmm. well that tells me one little facet of this ancestor Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna do a lot i'm gonna pull a lot more cards and ask you know you almost end up interviewing them and pulling cards for the answer and and you really can dig deep into their life Mm -hmm. yeah Especially with having sort of a focus for a period of days. It's not one conversation. It's multiple conversations. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's like a lot more information that you can gather and relationship building that can happen, which is, yeah, so cool. Yeah, I love it. Obviously, I do love it. So you guys have an idea for my next book? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious about this family seance thing. Were they doing them publicly or just like amongst family? It wasn't family. As I understand it, it was a group of people who got together and just did seances. Mm-hmm. And I you might I might have talked to you guys about this before, but they use these little chalkboards, like like little chalkboards, like maybe a, a foot long. Oh, and they, wow. they would put crayon not crayons, they'd put chalk in between two of these little chalkboards, and then when they opened them there would be messages from spirit oh so it was pretty cool so uh, and fortunately my aunt gave me the chalkboards that still have they still have the writing on them cool oh my god how do you preserve chalk i don't even know you know what i keep them together face you know the Mm -hmm. writing facing one another yeah i keep them you know in a dark place yeah (laughs) I just really, I don't want to expose them. Yeah. Without any wind or friction of any kind. <laughs> I know. Seriously. I know. I know. That's cool. That's yeah, so cool. See, that kind of goes to show that there are even ways that like, like you, so one of the uh, areas in Claire's book that she talks about is using dominoes, like for a numerological tool. Oh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. And it just, and which Esther and I had never heard of, but it kind of goes yeah. to show like, I would have never thought about using a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. for spirit communication but that's the whole maybe the whole point of understanding the basics through books like these is that once you understand the basics then you get to develop what works best for you yeah exactly and you know i didn't write about this in the book but uh maybe this is another book but <laughs> uh automatic writing is that you know people would get because there were books written like back in the seventies, I think Mm -hmm. that they would get kind of into a meditative state with their typewriter and they would just write. It's like, they weren't writing it. They were the channel that spirit was coming through Yeah, automatic writing. And I know that people do that with, you know, just pen, pen and paper that they try and get into that state. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something I've actually never tried, but I'm kind of thinking I want to try it. Yeah. yeah. Ty- yeah. I know, I know that people do the handwritten version, but there's something tactile about the idea of a typewriter specifically that I really am into for that. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm, I'm a typewriter girly. I think I was like 10 when I was at a church bazaar or whatever, where they just like sell junk from people's houses and like baked goods or sewn stuff. And somebody was selling a typewriter and I begged my parents for it. (laughs) And then I would use it all the time to just like type nonsense in my room because I'm such a typewriter person. Mm -hmm. I love them. I love it's the sound. It's the sound. Yeah. yeah. And the it's- feeling, the feeling of pressing down a button like to achieve something. It's really cool. <laughs> it, well, not only that, but hitting the return thingy mm-hmm. so that it goes down the line. It's just so thing. physical. I just love it. So that it is- automatic writing with a typewriter appeals to me a you lot. Know, you know, there's a, a app that I think I might still have on my iPad that emulates a typewriter oh and it's the sound mm-hmm. and the, the, you know when typewriters hit the end of a line it's like a ding yeah yes. <laughs> it, it does it's it's like writing on a typewriter so mm-hmm. sometimes i'll actually you know attach my ipad to a keyboard and i'll get that app out and just oh fun i want to hear that yeah um, but I've never tried automatic writing with it. Yeah, it just totally makes sense. I was just thinking, I can't imagine having to write a book on a typewriter. Like that <laughs> seems impossible to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think you'd live, go through several bottles of whiteout. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. a good point. We wouldn't, I would, I would be just erasing entire pages. I'm such a chaotic writer. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I would, I could never do it. Or the people who used to write it by hand. Oh, yeah. Wow. God. No, thank you. Yeah, that's just like such a, such a task. Yeah. No. It's yeah. wild to think about, but that is a really cool method of automatic writing. I could get behind that. I was just telling Esther that that was something that I wanted to try, but it kind of scares me a little bit. But I think that the uh, legibility of using a typewriter would be really significant. Yeah. Well, you know, Holly, you just need to make sure you set up really good protection. Yeah, uh, that's true. That too. you don't, you know, nobody of a lower vibration is welcome here. Nobody mm-hmm. can come in. You know, uh, every time I do ancestor work, I, I always have kind of a protective barrier around me, and I think people don't realize how. Oh, how easy it is to envision this protective thing around you mm-hmm. and just to keep you safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, That's like the only thing I can envision. Like when you were walking through the exercise of the tarot world, I think mm-hmm. that that's what you, how you refer it's to it. The as. world of tarot. The world yeah. of tarot. It reminded me of that uh, Grateful Dead music video that came out last oh, year right. or the year before where they yeah. redid Ripple, but with all tarot symbolism, Yeah, which I loved. I watched that like 4,000 times. <laughs> um, my dad is a big Grateful Dead guy. So it was like, you know, it felt, made me feel very connected to him and to like our shared interest to watch that music video. But huh. that's kind of what I thought of. But my problem is that I am one of those people who doesn't see pictures in her brain. Like when I'm visualizing, I can only visualize Like I can, I have a sense of knowing, but I can't visualize specific things happening really. It's kind of a, it's hard to explain, but one of the things that I can easily visualize is protection bubbles. (laughs) That's my main, my main envisioning capability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that just is, we all have different, you know, of the Claire's, we all have different ones. And not everybody, uh, let me just, uh, let me digress for a second. Jessica Jessica Macbeth, um, who was my very first teacher in healing. So decades ago, and she wrote the the book for the fairies Oracle. Well, you know, she has done healing since she was a kid and now she's into her late eighties. And she told me she, she can't envision at all. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so she said, you don't need to. And in fact, she used the same word you did, Holly. She said, I have a knowingness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. So you, you're, you're right on par with a great healer. Thank you you for saying that. Sometimes it can feel a little bit off because there is so much involved with like spirituality where people are asking you to envision things and I Mm -hmm. can't literally, but I do know, like I know what's happening, but I can't literally see things. But even so having the world of tarot idea is such a fantastic way of like 
accessing your subconscious in some ways. Yeah. Sort of use it as an, as an alternative or in addition to actually pulling cards or using one of the other divination tools is sort of going into this meditation and accessing the world of tarot and seeing Mm -hmm. what you find there. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. That, that, that is fun. And I have lots of notes of my little journeys into the world of tarot because honestly, anybody I've met there is always different. How they react to me is different than I would ever imagine. Yeah. So it's so cool because, you know, uh, I, I don't think I put this in the book or I'm, you know what I might've put it in with the high priestess. Um, Yes. She was just, you know, uh, okay, why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing it because, I mean, she, she was just so matter of fact. And then yeah. saying, and saying, well, you know, keep going down the road. Yeah. There's something else for you down there. It, it is interesting. And also, Holly, my partner also does not visualize, but also has knowingness. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, you know, there's whole books on the power of visualization. Well, if you can't, visualize those don't help (laughs) right it's not like it's not honing a skill because you don't have the skill to be drawn from or I guess even calling it a skill is probably not exactly what I mean but it's not honing a a tool because that tool is not in your toolbox you have to come up with other ways of doing it and that (laughs) that know that knowingness is so it is just it is on a par with all the other Claire's yeah. is, you know, that you really might be able to see, but you know, it, the whole knowingness is so amazing to me and it's easier for me to visualize. And for me, it's easier to hear, like yeah. I'll, I'll hear something in my head that tells me if I'm reading tarot, I tend to read intuitively and I hear stuff, which might have nothing to do with the card in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but with her, it is a knowingness. Yeah. 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 That it, it's cool to like, I think maybe that's one of the things that is missing from my sense of the, the, this. I get, I don't know if it's because of the podcast or what, but because we're so tarot focused and because we mm-hmm. are interacting with a lot of people who feel new to tarot, mm-hmm. I feel like, like expressing it's taken a really long time for me to be, feel comfortable with expressing to people my actual spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. that hasn't come very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I miss out on conversations or I have in the past missed out on conversations where people can confirm that that's a normal acceptable thing or whatever, you know, yeah. I think it's almost coming from a place of like, like we, maybe it's a millennial thing specifically, although I do know that Gen X feels the same way about some stuff they do. But since we're all so like interested in um, having our hobbies be something that we share with others, there's like Mm -hmm. a level of expertise that we expect from ourselves that's maybe like unearned yet. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we always call ourselves like we're like, you know, intermediate tarot readers because we are still learning. And I don't think that anyone can like truly you know, like master anything because we're always all still learning. But the result of feeling so focused on beginning tarot and helping people with the beginning of their journey is that it's made it so that I feel like I'm not talking to as many people about my own spirituality as much as I am just about like defending my use of tarot. (laughs) Wow. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Gen X, millennial or me, Uh, it. I'll, I'll keep learning about tarot till my last breath. Oh yeah. There's just no end of information. And anyone who thinks that they totally know everything is just wrong. That's like, yeah. Socrates says that, you know, like it's not, (laughs) you have to know that you don't, that there's stuff you don't know. I know. And you know, as many years as I'll say decades, as many decades as I've been working with tarot, Honestly, there are days I flip a card and I see something on the card that I never saw before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, this journey continues forever. <laughs> yeah. But it's I do, I just think that the, like having conversations about how we're actually experiencing spirit is something that I feel uncomfortable with. Like even right now, I feel uncomfortable with how vulnerable it makes me feel. And I think it's because I was raised in such a community of like, skeptics that like admitting earnest feelings 
in this way of like spiritual feelings or whatever feels like vulnerability. Yeah. I think part of that too, I think part of feeling vulnerable is that you feel like you have to defend something right, or, or explain the reasons why. And I think, and this is a plus of age is over time you stop caring. Right. And I yeah. just, Esther and I both just turned 35 <laughs> and 36 this year. And even since I turned 35 in May, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I actually don't really care. Like I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather allow myself to learn and feel the things I'm feeling and express them to people than like worry about if they think that it's stupid or not. <laughs> and that's just 35. So I can't wait to be 45 and 55 <laughs> and 65 because I imagine it only gets better. <laughs> You know, you know, I think one of the things that always helped me um, care, I care about people, but I can't drive my life based on what somebody else thinks. And mm-hmm. I think that just simply goes back to my mother, because I can hear her in my head saying, why do you care? They're not buying your supper. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I'm getting that tattooed somewhere. Yeah, they're not buying your supper. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it is hard because, you know, as humans, we like to be liked by other humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think there are ways. And and, um, my partner and I, um, Erica, we we do a podcast that we just started about a month and a half ago. And we we talk about stuff that we may agree about. We may have slightly different takes and Mm -hmm. we we hope to we our hope was that you can model that we can disagree in a very agreeable way totally yes what's the name of the podcast that we can well, link it in our show notes well yeah right now it's uh, you can find it on youtube and it, right now it's just erica and nancy because oh, i love it because what what we found was that um we were very because of our ages we were very like listening to pbs and mm-hmm. And our audience is much more your age. And so (laughs) starting Sunday, which I think is tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because we both uh, come to divination as healers. We're going to, we're going to do something with helping people in things that need healing. And I I, I can't tell you a hundred percent how that's going to happen because I don't know yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll know tomorrow. I love that. And I also think that I have an explanation for why people of our age like your podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that it's because we really, really value people being open and honest who seem like they have more experience. And because a lot of our parents aren't people mm-hmm. who we could go to with questions about these sorts of things, having two like awesome women who are established and know each other and themselves so well, mm-hmm. modeling these conversations is like critical for our own growth. Well, yep. thank you. I, you know, it, where I live, one of my neighbors is, is your age. And she was asking me about, uh, dating. And I said, uh, did you not talk to your own mom about this? (laughs) Uh, and she said, no, because it's easier to talk to you about it. And, and, and I don't know what that dynamic is exactly, except I think when you hit a certain age, at least my age and Erica's age, we know ourselves so well, and we have no need to judge anybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, Come, come talk to me about anything. I, I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I gratefully have, my mom is like somebody that I feel super comfortable with talking about anything with, but also she has all of these awesome female friends who I feel super connected with. Like a couple weekends ago was my sister's best friend's engagement party. And my mom's friend Carla was there and I like stole Carla away so that we could just like get in deep together for like 20 oh, minutes before cool. she had to be picked up. And I just love moments like that. And I'm sure she's listening. Hi, Carla. I love you. She already knows. We're, we've known each other for like probably 30 years. Well, maybe 25 years at this point. But I think that there's like, especially as we get into our 30s, we realize that we spent our 20s thinking that we probably would understand everything by the time mm-hmm. we were in our 30s. And then we hit our 30s and our mid 30s. And we're like, oh, my God, I totally don't understand anything still. <laughs> I need to find somebody who can help me. <laughs> well, and you know, there are a lot of people uh, my age or Erica's younger than I am, but uh, that 
you know, we didn't grow up being judgmental. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of it. That yeah. was not, that was not who we were. Yeah. But you know, we've seen enough of life to know that basically everybody we run into needs some kind of healing, compassion, yeah. or love. Yeah. yeah. And, and what we can offer is like reacting in the most loving ways that we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least trying to. It's not always easy with traffic and stuff like that, but at least we can try to. I, I know that's really true. And I always so, blame my Gemini and Mercury where I'm like, I oh. always can understand what everyone else is going through. And I make a lot of excuses for people behaving badly <laughs> that I run into in the world. I'm like, they're probably just having a bad day. <laughs> well, you know, and I think, you know, if you run into somebody who acts like a bitch to you, mm-hmm. my, I, I have one of two things. Either we had a very bad past life together or, <laughs> or, or you had, you had something happen to you this morning that was so upsetting. It's kind of coming out as anger at others. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think one of the biggest lessons in our community is to have that level of compassion yeah, and be willing to say, you know, you know, this Sally, this doesn't feel like your norm is something wrong and just Mm -hmm. be willing to ask the question. And, and I know we have gone far afield from. (laughs) That's okay. okay, Cause I was going to bring us back with one, because you mentioning that, you know, gen, this younger generation is just asking you these questions and coming to you, one of the first quotes that I like underlined and highlighted was want to know your own most potent form of magic, just ask. Yeah. And it's just that simple. And it doesn't like really occur to any of us. Like we, we're trying all these little things and, you know, we're trying, you know, automatic writing or we're trying pendulums, but we're not asking and kind of shortcutting that would be asking. So I just love the simplicity of that statement in bringing us back like, oh, yeah, can I, just I can ask. ask. Yeah. 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 And that's so true, Esther, because, you know, we have, I don't know why that like, we don't ask stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even today, uh, I mentioned Jessica. I, I still will run into something in healing that perplexes me and I'll pick up the phone and call her and say, mm. here's what happened. What is this? Any, what, what, what does this yellow mean that I'm seeing? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you, you just so special. Done. Yeah. It is so cool. Just so, having like somebody like a, a living person to go to with all of your questions. <laughs> I know it's like the, it's like, you know, some soothsayer in, in Greece or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) But with less of the toxic fumes that are creating visions like the Oracle of Delphi. (laughs) That's right. Maybe the toxic fumes were part of the spirit experience. (laughs) I did have a question about like the format in writing this book. So it's of course monthly. Did you build it in a way for like, this is October. We're going into the elemental magic of Omen magic. Mm -hmm. Do you, not that you do you prefer the intention that you wrote the book, us picking it up in October. Do we jump in October or is it kind of foundationally built around January? No. I'm not saying for us to hold up the book until January, but do we start in January saying it's October, but it's really January. It's okay. No, no, Esther, you jump in wherever you are. Okay. So okay. Th- what, this is October 1st. So jump into Omen Magic. Yeah. You know, get out of your house if you are able. And just, you know, my favorite thing uh, of Omen Magic is that I have a question in my mind. And Mm -hmm. if I go for a walk, something always pops out that answers Mm -hmm. my question. Yeah. Omen Magic is when I read the chapter, I was immediately drawn to it and very excited to start it because. Feathers have always been a sign, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast maybe a couple of times, where there, to me, there's some sort of sign that it eventually, like, they'll be okay, that some, that whatever's going on, I'm on the right path, it'll be okay. And then, it, but it didn't occur to me that this could be an ancestral sort of communicational thing right. going on right. until this chapter. I was like, oh, oh, wait, this could be like an ancestor reaching out, you know, from wherever telling me that whatever path I'm on, I'm okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it just didn't occur to me that it could be, you know, I was thinking like, okay, just the universe in general was 
giving me an encouraging note when I was like, oh, wait, it could be an ancestor. I'm a bit slow on the uptake. No, so. no. <laughs> Esther, it could be, you know, it could be an ancestor. It could be a beloved dad. It could mm-hmm. be a spirit guide. It could be the, quote, the universe. Yeah. And I think the key is that you're open, that you walk through life, not sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. You are open. And I think that spirit puts the sign in front of us. They know we are most open to seeing. Mm-hmm. Oh. I like that. Yeah. 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 So then maybe as you sort of dig in and see if there is an ancestor or a specific spirit that's related to it. Yeah. And maybe once you know them more, there could be even more signs that you're right. Right. Well, it, it is it's like and I'm not like one of these people that like goes out of my way looking for, you know, dead piles of birds with feathers and be like, oh, there's a sign. No, it's just like literally I'll be walking, looking down the sidewalk and there'll be like white feathers. And it's yeah. specifically like white or black feathers constantly. Right. So it's it's for me that was just like it was it's been years this has been happening. And so to me, there's just like oh, this is confirmation that, oh, this is, could be something more than just a hopeful message, it, what it is, which is, and it is encouraging to me, but it's just, I guess it never occurred to me. So I love it so much. I, I like that. And, you know, so because you are tuned in to feathers, your messages are probably going to come through feathers. I'm tuned in to signage. Mm. So I see, uh, I've told people this before, uh, that you know there was a, a box an empty beer bottle box that had this cool logo of a rebel and it answered the question that happened to be in my head but i i'm very drawn to to words mm-hmm. so so if i see any kind of sign <laughs> yeah uh, you know i think that's where my messages come through there's oh. a really sweet romance novel by kate claiborne called love lettering where the main character is also super, super tapped into signage and like typography. And Mm -hmm. throughout the entire book, there's sort of a through line of these like literal signs coming through that are meaningful. It's like a real, it's such a sweet book. And that Mm -hmm. specifically just reminds me of that, that I think that that's a really cool thing to be tapped into because we live in areas where there are signs everywhere. And if we're sleepwalking through life, we're not noticing any of it. But if we're open to it, then stuff can really come through. Exactly. And I don't know, you know, where you guys live in terms of, you know, critters. But, you know, just because I live in a, a very large city, I tend to see cats and I sit, I tend to see squirrels. Mm-hmm. And so I also like to just try and tune in. Cats are easier for me. Squirrels are harder. <laughs> but... Um, but I, I like to tune in and it's not an, for me, that's not an ancestral message. It's mm-hmm. just another being yeah. saying hi yeah. or, or you scare me, go away. <laughs> we have a lot of crows and a lot of possums, but we also have the occasional hawk and then a family of morning doves that loves our yard. And those morning doves, every single, if I am outside in the morning, they're always going crazy and yeah. it just makes me feel so at peace to have my little friends basically yeah. in the backyard. Oh, that's so cool. We also just made a lot of like tree related decisions to encourage like a lot more pollinators, which then encourages the kinds of birds that eat pollinators <laughs> to be around. So <laughs> yeah, even in my little kind of cookie cutter, boring suburban neighborhood we can still find ways to have cool animals that come through for us yeah Mm -hmm. and you know i i think i think i think animals know who really wants them there Mm -hmm. or you know whose yard my my sister is like yours in that she has a very um she has lots of plants and flowers and in her backyard and, you know, it's where in, in this city, it, it's where the skunks will appear or the possums oh. or, or the stray cats, they'll climb over the fence and come, you know, get in her, her garden. Yeah. Um, but I think they know, I think they know. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. 
my, I grew up in a rural area and my mom and dad have like a huge backyard that you can like see mountains from. It's really beautiful. And my mother gets the most bananas animals through her backyard. Like some that you'd expect just in larger quantities. But one time she even had a pair of peacocks up here and they oh were like gosh. just escaped from somewhere else in the <laughs> neighborhood that they live in, but she'd never heard or seen them before. And suddenly she looked outside and there were just two gigantic peacocks in her backyard. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she's just like, of course, like she just gets a lot of animals and she's also an insect person. So she sees a lot of cool insects. She's always, on the lookout for insect meanings and she gets a lot out of it yeah. <laughs> but well, she also is like way less squeamish about insects than anyone else I know. yeah I, I don't care if they're outside i just don't want them in my house right mm-hmm. yes. exactly you yes. know uh yeah a little alarming at one point they <laughs> kept finding like half eaten ground squirrels just Mm -hmm. in their driveway and it was because of all of the birds of prey that were like eating the front half of the ground squirrel and then just dropping their butts on the driveway (laughs) oh ick oh ick i was like that's too rural for me i don't think i can handle it (laughs) like thank you hawks but also no thank you please leave me out of this (laughs) well anyway i think it's cool that they do that with her and obviously there's something about it that they're drawn to and and hopefully there are messages she gets from it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure she's a very spiritual lady. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that one of the other one of the, so Esther really liked the October chapter. I really am excited for the August chapter because as we've talked about before, and I've talked about on the podcast a lot, the past life stuff is I'm just very, very drawn to me too. (laughs) Me too. I'm so, I love the idea of the questions that you include to Mm -hmm. ask the past life situation. Like what kind of work did I do? What was my purpose? All of that stuff is just like something that I really resonate with. And uh, that's also a chapter that brings in runes, which is an area of immense weakness for me. I I love them. I want to own a million of them, but I just have not connected with it. So I think it'll be interesting when we get there to try to utilize that a little bit too. Yeah. Cause yeah. runes are, runes are not in my toolbox very much. I mean, yeah. I'm aware of them, but I am not a rune person, but I like to bring in different things and I love past lives because I, I am aware of so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I love delving into. I'm with you on that, but I, I'm also an omen person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're all over the place. So if you're paying attention, you can see a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And I've said, I've said this before. If people get nothing more out of the book, it is please go through the, your life awake. Yes. You know, be aware of all the signs that are around you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. And one of my favorite sections was the chapter seven where you're asking additional questions. Okay. So one, one thing that I love throughout the whole book is the, splitting up of the court cards, the majors and the minors from each yes. other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because the messages will just be more clear. Another thing that you do a lot is like draw until you get to the first court card or draw until you get to the first major arcana, which I think is also just like a really good and interesting and less utilized functional way of using tarot decks in these situations. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, so then for the chapter seven, where there's questions like the answer, so it goes back into each month. So the, uh, the ancestor of inherited magic wants you to know, and then you pull cards for that. And then what part of your inherited magic needs more scrutiny? There's like Mm -hmm. these really good conversation starters in this chapter to kind of dig even deeper into the work that you're putting in for each month that I just, and I think so many of them are just so interesting. Like, how can I use my past life for an inspiration now? How am I supposed to acknowledge the guardians of the land? What messages do birds have for me? It's all like such an interesting, short, succinct way of de- digging even deeper into these relationships. No, oh, thank you. And, and, you know, because past lives take, for example, I think it's cool to know about your past lives. And, but, but I'm very interested in how can that knowledge help me today? Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's not enough to just know, then you need to figure right. out how to have it impact things in a positive yeah, way. Exactly. And, you know, if you tap into past lives, 
trust me, you're going to start to see patterns that you are repeating in this life. And maybe, maybe they're good patterns. But I was going to say for better or for worse, right? For better or for worse. Maybe they aren't such good patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then how can we break? I mean, even just within our own aware individual lives that we're like presently in, we have patterns. So why wouldn't we mm-hmm. in other situations as well? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, if they aren't good patterns in terms of, you know, maybe they're throwing a, a monkey wrench in your life. Good. Be aware of it. Do something yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. That's the first step, right? Just no acknowledging that there's a problem. Yes. <laughs> and then snorping. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you also give us permission in this book to go get some really, really cool journals. Yes. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and tarot decks, because I'll say that I was racking my brain trying to think of a, a, an, like a deck to work with specifically for this grimoire. And I was like, nothing was like pinging uh, that people would be happy with at all. And then I was like, oh, I should do, I ended up getting Robin Wood tarot because for me it was a deck that i wasn't really interested in personally using but i know that people in like my ancestors or other spirit people would be happy with this deck specifically just because it's very anglo-saxon it's kind of old aesthetic ish and it'd be like very poignant for the time period that i know that my ancestors specifically my ancestors came from so uh so i just thought it was really neat that you also have multiple decks for working with all of this you know with all of these so how do you like how not to if if you'd rather not reveal certain things that's okay but like how did you determine like oh well these people really like druidcraft or these people really like which is wisdom and things like that uh honestly i work with pendulum and the ancestors Mm -hmm. okay okay and you know i i am a very big pendulum user because I've used them. I've used pendulums for years and it's so calibrated to me and it's so accurate. Mm -hmm. So if I have a question about that, I'll use the pendulum. Okay. And and, and by the way, Robin Wood is one of my favorite decks and probably one I've had almost the longest. In fact, my current Robin Wood is probably my third because I've (laughs) I've crashed I've trashed the two before it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's an easy deck to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super yes. Super easy to read. But, you know, I like it. But for me personally, if I'm doing a reading for someone and we're doing ancestral work, I will use the Relative Tarot by Carrie mm-hmm. Perry. Yeah. It's, it's very suitable to ancestral work, regardless of your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just so cool that we have so many options like you don't have to feel like we're just stuck with only a traditional writer wade smith although if that's what works then fantastic but yeah i that's i mean obviously we're huge fans of collections yes (laughs) (laughs) it's so cool that there are so many options and i think the key is just like trying them out until you find something that works Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so you know have fun yeah. Yeah. Like I really like Wildwood, but it's a, it's like it doesn't have very many people associated with it, but the animals in it connect with me really strongly. I I love the Wildwood and it is a very hard deck for me to read. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so visually beautiful. I always think that I want it to be something that I work with for ancestor stuff, but it it isn't easy for me to use. Mm-hmm. No. Nor me. So, Gotta try something else. Yep. Oh, oh well, another excuse by deck. I know exactly. Oh, woe is me. Must look for other options. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I think that that's just about it. But I did also want to take one last minute to thank you for including us in your suggested resources oh, yes. section, Nancy. You're welcome. You're so welcome. I was rising. Look, I there we are. Podcast. I love your podcast. So and well. we love your book. So that works yes. great. And we can't wait to listen to your podcast. Yeah, well, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, again, it's gonna we're going to do a live on Sunday and okay, it will be, cool. it will work out well mm-hmm. or it won't. But it'll be perfect. Um, You know, we both trust that spirit's going to put us in the right place. And yeah. Save yeah. Is it, are you going to do live on Instagram or on YouTube? YouTube. Okay. Okay. So cool. I'm getting a COVID two, booster this afternoon. So that'll be two perfect for me. East, yeah. Two, two o'clock Eastern on okay. YouTube. 
So I'll let you know. Yeah, yes, totally. Thank I'll you add so it much, to my Nancy. calendar right now. Thanks for the invite, you guys. Yeah, thank of you course. So we love talking to you. We love we really talking to you so much. You so too. Excited to spend the next year or so using your resources. <laughs> okay. as yes, cool. absolutely. <laughs>